welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. The month of July, we're going to be in a sermon series called A Month on Mission. Everybody say, On Mission. Okay, on is, a, is the important word. It's not a month of mission or a month talking about missions. It's a month on mission. What you are going to be challenged to do uh, collectively together is to live this next month intentionally on mission for the kingdom of God. We're going to be talking about living intentionally on kingdom mission, living a life with purpose, on purpose, that wherever you are and whatever you're doing this month, consider these two questions. Where is God taking me, and how can I make a difference? And at the same time, as we begin to live on mission intentionally this month, we're going to be also checking in with our missionaries who are doing that uh, overseas in Thailand, and we have some who are going to be with us in person this morning. Clinton and Patiana Moore and their family are joining us, and he is going to be sharing our main message this morning. Clinton, if you would come forward, and church family, if you would welcome him. As we talk about uh, considering where is God going to take us and how can we make a difference, the main way that you're going to find that experience in your life is going to be face-to-face. It's going to be interacting with people. And uh, the churchy word for that ends up being discipleship. It's walking with somebody in their faith journey. And uh, Clinton and Patiana have an expertise at building discipleship communities, wherever they've been and however God has used them has centered around that fact. And so as they share today, not just what they're doing and how they're doing it abroad and in Thailand, uh, they're also going to be teaching us how we can apply those same principles in the way that God would use us. And so I will turn it over to you. Good morning. I was told that in order to be able to preach this morning, I had to change my hair to match. I call it the, the hack bar, but I feel like it works okay. I had somebody in between services say, oh, you kind of look like the same person. Um, and I feel like that's a compliment. He's a good looking guy. Uh, but my name is Clinton. Um, our family is here. We were here sharing three years ago. Um, some of you have a familiar face. Others, I'm excited to meet you for the first time. I introduce you to my family real quick. Um, my name is Clinton. My lovely wife right here is Patiana. My eldest is Eliana and my youngest is Jolie. I got a brief hug for like 15 seconds in between services, but since I've been here, I have not seen her since. So I know she feels at home and a part of the community and that's exciting. We're going to get into the scripture this morning, um, but before I pray, I just want you to grab your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. You can go ahead and get that prepped as I begin to pray over us this morning. Lord Jesus, this is an exciting day. And uh, we didn't come here to listen to some individual, some person share wisdom. Lord Jesus, we came to hear from you. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We know that you are here, but now we welcome you into our heart. We want you to unlock our ears. Give us ears to hear. Unlock our eyes. Let us see things. Begin to unlock our minds, our hearts, so that we can hear what you're whispering to us. Pray that we would walk out this door different, having received. Lord, would you unlock the secret message that you want to whisper to us this morning. What are you calling us to? What opportunity lies just outside of this room? Get us excited for it now, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. 
Let me read this scripture to, uh, with you. Uh, we're starting in chapter uh, 2, verse 2 through 7. Jump around a little bit. But their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed. This morning, I want to share with you a couple testimonies. We had a great time of worship. I just want to continue that the rest of the morning. I want to share you some fun, exciting testimonies of what God's doing around the world. Give you a quick update on what we're doing as a family, what our role looks like now. It's different than three years ago. Um, let you know what our needs are in order to get us back to Thailand. We're really close. We just want to ask you to pray with us. Pray that God would provide um, some partners to walk alongside us and, and to provide so that we can get on that plane. Let me open up with a, a, a good story. I don't want to talk so much about um, what we do, but I'd rather just give an illustration of who we are. How do we live our life? Had a young man, and he was working around our house, and um, had a chance to build a relationship with him and, and begin sharing about Jesus. And, and after a, a, a duration of time, um, he, he just fell in love with Jesus, and, and he gave his heart to the Lord. That was exciting. We began meeting together outside of our house, having chai, talking about different questions of what it means to walk with Jesus. And this one day, he looked really upset. I just checked in with him. I said, hey, what's going on? He said, I, I don't know what to do. And he said, in my village where I live, my auntie, she's a witch doctor, and she's very, very powerful. And when she curses somebody, they die within two weeks. We know that. I said, okay. And he said, well, she heard that I'd become a Christian. I said, okay. He said, well, she didn't like that, so she cursed me, and she cursed my two little boys. What do I do? And that's that moment when ministry becomes real. And we, we could have done a bunch of different things, but I only really know one thing that works. And I said, I have no idea what we should do, but I can introduce you to the answer. Let's just go ask Jesus what he wants you to do. And so we had an opportunity to pray and we lifted it up, right? And we said, Lord, there's a problem. We got a challenge. We don't know what the answer is, but here's the problem. Here's the challenge. We lift it up to you. Jesus, what do you want us to do? And then we sat there and we waited for the answer. Now, we've done this for 15 years with different people praying in different ways, and I kind of expect certain answers. I expect Jesus to say, don't worry about it. Put your faith in me. I'm bigger than your problems. Maybe point us to some scriptures that talk about the power and the love of Jesus and how he overcomes things. That's not what happened. And I was surprised, and I opened my eyes, and I'm very shocked, and he opens his eyes. He's clearly very shocked. I said, hey, what do you believe Jesus is whispering to you? And he said, oh, I got this word. I don't understand it. I just got this sentence it's time to be the man of my house. I said, wow, that's powerful. That's not what I was expecting. I said, but it's exciting because while we were praying for you, I kept seeing a picture. I don't normally do that when I'm praying, but I saw this picture of you standing at the four corners of your one-room home and declaring that from now on, this is a house of the Lord. And going to the next corner and saying, from now on, this is a house of the Lord. And he had this big smile on his face. You could tell it spoke to something real deep down for him. And so he said, all right, I can do it. And off he went. And then I didn't see him for two weeks. And I thought, oh no, I hope this all worked out. This is better be a good thing, Jesus. Give me a testimony at the end. I don't want the sad story. So a couple of weeks later, I see him and he comes and he's, he's still, you know, he's, he's struggling with something. And we sit down and I said, hey, what's going on? And he goes, Clinton, I feel like an idiot. 
what is it? He goes, I wanted to read the Bible. So this morning I had my Bible open before the kids woke up and I'm reading and I'm trying to study it. My kids come in, they start asking me questions. I don't know any of the answers. I feel like an idiot. How am I supposed to lead my family? And I said, oh no, don't worry about it. You don't need to know any of the answers. And he got really big eyes like some of you are right now. So what do you mean I don't need to know the answers? Oh no, that's not important. I can show you how to find the answers. That's all you have to teach your kids. You don't need to be the expert. Jesus is the expert. Don't stand in the way. Don't make it difficult. They got a question, don't answer it. Run them right to how they can find the answer so that when they're old and they've left the house and they've got a question, they don't have to come to you or any other person. They get to run right to Jesus and find that answer. And he started to see all the pressure fall off. And he's like, oh, I can do that. I can lead my family in that way. And I said, hey, I got to check in with you. Two weeks ago, we had a problem and we were praying for it and Jesus gave you something to do. I got to, is everything okay? He said, oh, it was amazing. I went home, I prayed over the four corners of my home. It was great. My wife and I talked, had a great conversation. He said, the next day, my auntie, she's walking through the village, she falls over dead. Now, I don't know what you want to do to reconcile the idea of a loving and a powerful and a mighty and a very alive God but I'll tell you what, this young man isn't trying to believe in Jesus. This young man has experienced the love of Jesus in a very real way and it has changed his life and he's gonna spend the rest of his life trying to figure out what to do about that. That's what we wanna be a part of. It doesn't matter whether we're here in Guatemala, Kenya, Thailand, what we wanna do is connect people to Jesus in a direct way so that they can live the rest of their life knowing that connection. I want to invite Eliana up, my, uh, my eldest. She's 12 years old. She had an opportunity to go into the village with us and begin praying for people. And I love the idea that God uses 12-year-olds the same way he uses people. As soon as we get out of the way, he does exciting stuff. So there's this pastor of the small church in the village by our house. And... The pastor wanted to invite a group of us over to pray over some of the people in this village. So we came and we prayed and we asked, what should we pray for? And we believe he said to pray for healing. So we came and we prayed for healing. And as we were praying, we went to, we went to the first house. And there was, a, there was a young Buddhist man there and his mom. There was a young Buddhist man and his mom living there. And this young Buddhist man had recently been in a motorcycle accident. So, and he lost that in one of his eyes. So we came and we prayed and we asked for, and we asked the Lord, what should we pray for? And we believe he said to pray for healing. So we did, we prayed for healing. And when we finished, we checked in. And when we finished, we checked in and he said he could start to see light out of his eye. So we celebrated and we continued to pray. And we asked, what should we pray for? And he said to pray for healing, but that it will complete at another day. So we prayed and as we were praying, his mom came in and sat off to the side and was watching us. Watching us. And when we finished, we checked in. He said he could start to see light and shapes out of his eye. And so we celebrated, and we got really excited. He got really excited. And so then he asked the pastor what was happening and how he could be a part of it. And the pastor told him about the Lord and Jesus and the Bible. And he looked at his mom for approval, and she nodded. And he became a Christian right there. We appreciate Ellie and that, that beautiful testimony. So I just want you to grab this. This was so exciting. This is a, a young girl. It's the first time she got to go into the village, just the two of us to do ministry. And, and, and it's time to lay hands over a, a young man who, who's lost sight in one of his eyes. And so Eliana, she's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable laying hands. I said, that's not right. You lay hands on me, I'll lay hands on him. 
We got a good connection. We're okay. She's like, all right, dad, what should we pray for? And I turned around and guess what I said? I have no idea. Why don't you go ask Jesus what we should pray for? Okay. Comes back a couple of seconds. I think he said healing. Do it. Go for it. She prays healing. Oh, I start seeing light in her eye. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's awesome. That's awesome. But you're not done. Let's pray again. She goes, okay, now what do we pray? I said, why do you keep asking me? You go ask Jesus, tell me how we're going to pray. She goes, dad, I got this weird one. Keep praying for healing, but it isn't going to finish today. The wisdom of a 12-year-old. It's amazing. All right, Lord, we know there's a little bit more healing. It's not all going to happen. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing shapes, and he wants to know what in the world is going on. I love that. I think that's discipleship. Going right back to Jesus. What are you doing next? What are you doing next? How do you want to use me? How can I be a part of what you're doing in this person's life? I also really love the fact that that pastor has now a new tool in his toolbox. He's seen a way to have Jesus become real in somebody's life who did not know Jesus ahead of time. And now it changes their life. And he gets to continue doing that in the village. Isn't that exciting? So a little bit of background information. Three years ago, we were here. We shared, you prayed over us, you sent us to Kenya. Three years later, we came back from Thailand. What happened? Because that's not what we thought was going to happen, and I don't think it was thought what you thought was going to happen. In Kenya, um, our job was to lead a discipleship ministry that happened throughout the country. Uh, we were able to, to raise up Pastor David Juma to become the national director of that ministry. He then found local coordinators to begin doing that in different regions, and that ministry is growing and exciting. A couple years ago, we began praying with the leadership team, and we said, hey, what is the best thing we can do to bless the church in Kenya? And do you know what their answer was? They said, please leave. Oh, got my heart. I said, what do you mean? They said, no, 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 let, let us explain. They said, we really appreciate that you're here, and we, we know that David's the leader. We know that this is our ministry, but every time we have a problem, we look to you. Every time we need finances, we look to you. Every time we want to try something new, we look to you to make sure you're okay with it. So the best thing you can do is not leave. Go, pray for us, support us, encourage with us, check in with us, just don't be here. If you're not here, we've got to solve all our own problems. If you're not here, God's going to have to provide for the finances. I celebrate that since we left Kenya, that ministry has grown and done more ministry than any time any missionary was involved with it. That's a cool testimony. I love it. Keep praying for them. It's changing lives. They just don't need us anymore. It's a church discipleship ministry. Missionaries can go somewhere. It isn't working. So why are we in Thailand? 150 years ago, missionaries showed up in East Africa, in Kenya, began planting churches. We celebrate that today over 90% of the country of Kenya has experienced the love of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Kenya is now sending out missionaries throughout East Africa and beyond. That's exciting. 150 years ago, about the exact same period of time, missionaries showed up in Thailand. Today, less than one half of 1% of the country has experienced the love of Jesus. That's a huge difference. I tried to come up with a picture. How can I describe how many people? It took us three and a half weeks of driving around our city in Thailand before we ever saw a church. And we're in the most churched area in the entire country. What does this look like? And I thought, what if you took every single person in the entire state of Colorado? And I looked at the numbers and realized, no, that doesn't work. In fact, I'll show you a map. 
If you took every single person that lives in every single one of these states in the United States, you put them all together, you still wouldn't add up to the number of people in Thailand who have never experienced the love of Jesus. 69 million people. But why? 150 years of missions work. Well, there's a couple of challenges. Number one, we can look at a map of Thailand here. This is a map of Thailand in Southeast Asia. You might be able to see up in the very top right-hand corner, there's some red marks. Those red marks are the only places in the country that have churches. It is really hard to experience the love of Jesus if in your entire region of the country, there are zero churches. In fact, in your entire region of the country, there may be nobody who's ever experienced the love of Jesus. It's hard to experience the love of Jesus if you've never met anybody that knows Jesus. We can go to the next slide. In Thailand, right now it's about 94% Buddhist, 5% Muslim, Muslim primarily down in the south. But there's a saying, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So if you choose to not be Thai, become Christian, you actually have to lay down part of your national identity. Can you imagine the choice of if you choose to be a Christian, you have to choose to stop being American? all of a sudden that question becomes a lot heavier. That's one of the challenges. In Thailand, Buddhism, Theravada Buddhism is primarily um, what is focused on. And they believe that the problem in life is suffering, that all suffering comes from attachment, attachment to desires, attachment to things, attachment to stress, attachment to struggles. And that if we can lay down all attachment, we can reduce suffering. They believe that it took Buddha 550 cycles, 550 lives, to lay down all attachment and get to a place of enlightenment. So most Buddhist people do not believe that they're going to go to enlightenment. They just hope to come back with a better life than they had this time. This creates some huge challenges. Because if I said, or I present the gospel and I said, God loves you. What they hear is, hold on a second, your God loves, so your God has attachment. So your God must not even be enlightened yet. The gospel just misses right off the side. But this also doesn't uh, explain all the bad things that happen in life. And so in Thailand, animism is also very um, popular. And so the belief in the spirit world. And so to give an example, um, some people in our neighborhood wear an emulet, or maybe they have five or 10 emulets around their necks to protect them from things. Our neighbor took us out for a picnic, wonderful Thai lady. And she had a blanket on the ground, and my kids were there, and it was covered in Thai food. Thai food is amazing. By the way, it's way better there than it is here. But we're sitting down. We're getting ready to eat. And she said, hey, before we eat, and I thought, oh, this will be interesting. She goes, before we eat, I have to make an offering to the Spirit. And she had to pour a drink, put a little food on a plate, and go hide it under a bush so that we would be safe to be able to eat. Every single morning, she takes an offering out to her spirit house in front of her home, a little bit of food, a little bit of drink, and places it there to appease the spirits that have been displaced by her home. Every single morning, she takes food and offers it to the Buddhist monks in order to earn merit to make up for the bad things she's done in life and so that she can come back with a better life next time. Does this sound like freedom to you? Can you imagine growing up? There is no God. You were not created and you were not created for any purpose. The meaning of life is suffering. That's where we're starting from. 
If you're a son, it's expected that you're going to become a monk for a duration of time. It might even be a short period of time, but you're doing it in order to earn merit, but you're not earning merit for you. You're earning merit for your mother. So if you choose to believe in Jesus and you choose not to become a monk, you're actually saying, I choose to turn my back on my mom. I don't want her to have a better life next time. Now following Jesus has a huge impact. So if I just talk about Jesus, oftentimes I miss the person completely. But if I can introduce them to the power and love of Jesus, if I can find the problem in their life that only Jesus can solve, an eye that doesn't work, a curse from a witch doctor, and I can say, hold on a second, let me let the real and alive Jesus come in right now into this situation and change it for you. Now we get to live life in a brand new way because God is real. And he's already invaded my reality and he's put me on a new path. That to me is really, really exciting. Imagine there is no God. You were not created. You were not created for a purpose. And life is about suffering. That's when Jesus needs to come in. So we have a new role now that we're in Thailand. In Kenya, our role, as we mentioned before, was to have one ministry that was across the country and we were to lead that ministry and grow it and then hand it off to the Kenyan church. And I praise God, it has worked. But we have a new role now that we're in Thailand. In Thailand, we've been asked to join a leadership team and this leadership team provides supervision and leadership to about 57 missionaries across the country. And actually that number isn't true because the couple of weeks we've been here, some more families have come, but we know that by the end of next year, we should have 90 missionaries, not just from America, from all over the world, serving and making Jesus real in a community that it's never happened before. And that's really exciting. We do this in three different ways, and we're going to talk about each one of them. Number one, we come behind. Number two, we walk alongside. And number three, we go out in front. I'll give an example and illustration of each one of those. The first one I want to talk about is we come behind. What does it mean to come behind a missionary? Well, honestly, often Missionaries are young families, a couple. They've grown up in the same community. They've gone to the same church. They've had the same pastor their whole life. They say, oh, Jesus has moved in my heart. I'm ready to go serve. God says, Thailand, they, all right. And they wake up the next morning and they find themselves in a village with no church, no pastor, and no one there knows the love of Jesus. That's difficult. Can you imagine the challenges and the struggles if you had no community to come to on Sunday. You get stuck, you get discouraged in ministry and there's no pastor to talk to. And to make it worse, you don't feel like you can tell your church back in America how difficult it is because they might pull you right out of Thailand thinking it's not okay. So you smile and you say, I'm okay. And you go back in. It's not hard to understand why the average lifetime of a missionary has gone from 37 years to four. And so one of the things we get to do is actually meet with missionaries. We get to provide pastoral care. We get to do sometimes, we act as a chaplain if we're walking through trauma together. But our connection is to find somebody in the midst of discouragement, plug them back into Jesus, and then get them back out in the field serving. I'm going to invite my wife to come up. Um, she's got an exciting role we'll talk about here in a moment. But I wanted to share an example of one of the families that we were honored to get to walk with over this last year. Good morning. Um, yeah, so it 
it's just been really amazing through the years to see how God has just woven us in and out of different people's lives. And because of our unique background, we have the opportunity to um, serve in a lot of different roles. Um, and with this particular couple, um, even in the midst of the pandemic, we got to meet with them um, and just kind of walk um, behind them and just kind of show them that it isn't about how they perform in the country. It's about who they are in Christ, no matter where they are. And so getting to journey with them and, and listen to their story and hear the struggles they were going through, being a young couple coming over with very beautiful, amazing ideas of what ministry would look like and then coming face-to-face -face with how actually ministry is um, was very challenging. But, you know, having gone there before um, and all of the different ministry things we've done, we had a chance to walk with them and just um, say, okay, you know what? It's not about how you did it. It's not about how other people perceive you. It's about who Jesus says you are. And so having that moment to just say, let's, let's connect with Jesus directly and let's hear him say who you are again and get reconnected with that sense of identity was just really powerful um, and very humbling to get to journey with them in doing that. Um, and getting to watch them reconnect with Jesus directly and then get that ignition again to keep going and to see where that direction was headed was um, really powerful. Um, it's just an incredible honor to get to do that. Um, and to get to work with so many different missionaries from all around the world. Um, it's been very powerful. So I'm excited. Uh, Patiana, as soon as we get back, is taking on a new role. Um, it's the director of people care, and that is to make sure that every one of the missionaries in our organization across the country and in the region never feels alone, never feels isolated. They've got pastoral care, they're part of community, and they're as healthy as they can possibly be. Most of the time when you talk to a missionary, their hurt, their discouragement doesn't come from the people they're serving. Most of the hurt comes from other missionaries, maybe churches and expectations. And they feel like failures, they're thinking about leaving the field and we say, hey, who does Jesus say you are? Why did he bring you here? Has it changed? All right, then let's connect you, let's get you filled up, and let's get you back in the field because people need Jesus. Isn't that exciting? That is a fun role to be in. It's exciting to walk behind people. We also get to come alongside missionaries, and this looks different in different ways. Sometimes missionaries want to try a new approach, but they just don't want to do it alone. They want to have someone to bounce ideas off of and to, to, to experiment to see if a new kind of ministry is going to make a difference. I'll give you an example. One of the guys I'm working with, um, great guy. He's trained as a teacher, an elementary teacher. He works for a large organization. This organization is right next to our university. And so they bring university students into the organization and they teach them English. And then through that relationship that they develop through learning English, he gets to share the gospel. He gets to make Jesus real and people start giving their lives to the Lord. He loves it. And teaching English is exciting. You know what isn't exciting? A couple months ago when he found out, he just became the new director of the entire organization. And he goes, oh, I don't know how to do that. He said, that's okay. Did Jesus say he wants you to do it? Yes, but I still don't know how to do it. That's okay. We get to walk with you. We get to use our business background. We get to teach him how to come up with budgets. How do you supervise staff? How do you develop a vision for what God is doing? And not just have a vision. How do you communicate that vision to others so that they can get on board and join you? Or even just the simple step of how to fill out a grant application so you can keep the organization moving. He doesn't have to do any of that alone or guessing. He's got a community and organization to walk with him and support him every step of the way so that he can be successful. 
Another family, this is uh, At and Nan. Um, this is a young Thai family, um, and this is exciting. This family goes to the very first church that was planted in their city. Their church is 150 years old. Think about that. Their church is 150 years old. Their church has never sent a missionary before. This is the very first family. Now think about it. This is a young couple. They know the language. They know the culture. They've discovered the love of Jesus. They've been in full-time ministry, and they're looking and saying, my entire country does not know Jesus. And so they sent them as their very first mission. Now, our organization gets to come along. We get to walk alongside that church to say, hey, this is your first missionaries. You've never done it before. Here's how you support your missionary. Here's the expectations you hold for your missionary. Here's how you encourage them and love them so that they know they feel valued and that they can continue working effectively. Then we get to partner with the missionary so that when they hit that wall, ministry becomes hard. We say, oh no, that's the perfect challenge. That means you're doing the right thing. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Let's walk with you as you walk into ministry. This is an exciting thing because if Thai people grab a, a, a missional heart, they will change their entire country. We're developing a brand new partnership with the seminary, the Bible school in Chiang Mai. They have a missions program for Thai students. And they've come to us and they said, hey, as part of our missions program at our Bible school, can we do internships with your missionaries in different parts of the country so they can experience doing ministry within their own people? I said, absolutely. And they said, but even better, when they graduate, can they just become missionaries right with you? You've already got the system set up. I said, now that's exciting. I believe that Thailand is the key to this part of the world. We've always said that Kenya is the key to Africa. If you can get Kenyan people not only to experience the love of Jesus, but get Kenyan people to begin going as missionaries, they will take care of half the continent themselves. They are. But if you can get Thai people to become missionaries, Myanmar, Laos, Vietnam, straight shot into China. Not only that, just south of Thailand is the biggest Muslim country in the world. If you can get Thai missionaries, you can change a lot. That's exciting. That's something we want to be a part of. The other thing that we get to do is that we get to look ahead. Because of our new role, we get to look and say, not where is ministry happening now. We get to start looking and saying, where does ministry need to happen five years from now? It takes three and a half years to get the average missionary ready so we can begin looking for those people, getting them equipped and trained so that three to five years from now, they're ready for where ministry needs to happen. That's exciting. Right now, we're putting a team together to do church planting in one of the least reached areas of all of Thailand. It's called Ayutthaya. Our team includes missionaries from Northeast India, South Korea, Canada, America, Europe, and Ethiopia putting a team of people together to go plant a church, to begin living as the church in a new community. Some of them are going to be teaching soccer as a way of doing outreach. Some of them are going to be teaching English. Some of them are going to be rescuing young ladies and women. Every one of them is going to have a different way of showing the love of Jesus in a real way in order to plant a church through a bunch of different cultures. That's exciting. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of planning to put something like that. That's what we want to be a part of. We also have a young family down in the south of the country, and they have a really exciting way of planting churches. They met with just one person, and they just poured their life into her. 
And over time, she gave her life to Jesus. And they looked at her and said, find us one more. And so they went, now there were three. And as soon as she gave her life to the Lord, they said, find us one more. This church still does that. Every single week they gather, it's outside. We got to do this with them. We're sitting on a concrete pad. We sing some worship songs. We read the scripture. We have a short teaching. And then the entire church gets up. The entire church walks out the gate together to go into the village to find someone who doesn't know Jesus. And they just pull them right into the family. And they will just love on that person until they know Jesus. That's exciting. That's really unique. It was fun to walk with them. We said, hey, we're praying for you. We're supporting you. How are you doing? What do you need? And you know what their answer was? We are really lonely. We're really lonely. Could you find us one or two more families that want to do ministry? The same? They don't need to live next door. They can live 30 minutes away. We just don't want to be alone. If we could meet with somebody every now and then and encourage each other, talk about the different struggles we're having, and just know that we're not doing this thing by ourselves. We could do this forever. So me and my wife say, yes, we will share your vision. We'll share your story. We'll go find you one or two more families from somewhere in the world. Get them ready to come and join you on that vision. That's exciting because we get to look out at the future of what God is doing and begin making plans for that. I want to give you a quick picture of our situation. Um, when COVID happened and things shut down, we lost some support. We trimmed our budget just like a lot of other people did. We had to turn off parts of our budget that we probably can't go back to Thailand till we turn it back on. We're really, really close. And we're just asking that you would pray with us that God would provide some people to join our team who love the ministry that says, yes, when we send you out, we want to, don't want you thinking about finances. We want you back into ministry. So we'll we, give you a couple examples. Um, the first one, which is just different for this time, um, as soon as we land in Thailand, um, the military will take us off the plane. We'll go through a health check. We get checked into a, a government quarantine facility, um, into a room, and then we get to leave 15 days later. Um, but there's a cost to it. And it's not how we would choose to spend money, but for us to get back to our mission field, that's the reality that we have right now. Um, another one that's more of a, a, a personal request. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber. If you haven't, please don't. It's a horrible movie. But if you have seen it, there is a scooter, and these two guys go across the country on this scooter. That is my scooter, and I love it. It has a 100cc motor. It, it is a lawnmower engine, and it is awesome. It gets me to language school. It gets me to the office, and I am happy. What it doesn't do very well is pick up both of my kids from school. You put three of us on there with backpacks cruising down the shoulder of the highway, and we're hitting little rocks and bottoming out. It's not the most sustainable solution. And so they do have a three-seater scooter. We're saying, Lord, if we're going to be there for at least the next decade, give us some tools so that we can be sustainable and safe. And so there is a scooter that we can pick up for $2,200. Those are some of the needs that we're saying, Lord, send us and equip us and help us to be sustainable. The next one, we actually only need a couple of monthly partners to join the team for us to just not have to worry about finances anymore. A couple of the examples, um, $100 a month is what it costs, uh, what we need for our girls to be able to go to school. Um, $150 a month allows us to travel the entire country. I love Zoom. I love meeting with missionaries on Zoom. But you and I know there's a difference when somebody is struggling and you can sit down at the table, buy them a cup of coffee, actually pray with them and get them back into the field. We've turned that off. We want to turn that back on. We want to be able to travel and go and encourage. The next one is a request from my kids. 
Um, they've said, hey, in this next season, if God allows, we would really like to take a dance class or a singing class or learn to play an instrument. Our life uh, hasn't put us in places or necessarily the finances to be able to do that. And so we've said, Lord, if you provide, then we want to honor that and give them some of the opportunities that they would have had if we would have stayed in America. Um, $200 a month, this one's kind of important to me. Um, that's the money that goes into a locked account at the church. We don't touch it, we don't see it, but what it is is two years from now, it allows us to buy plane tickets to come back. And, and it's easier to go as a missionary when you can go knowing that two years from now, I can already come back. I'm not wondering about that. And so we'd like to have that turned back on. Um, we're asking people prayerfully um, to consider joining our team for the next two years. We do two-year terms, so it's not a lifelong commitment. We're just asking. So if you join us in praying that God would uh, raise that team a little bit and say, hey, we can knock that off. Don't worry about that for the next two years. That would be powerful. I want to end with one more story. And, and I want you to hold this one because maybe, maybe the Lord's unlocking something for you this morning. I had a, a gentleman come and I was eating lunch and he came and he sat down next to me. He said, okay, I got a question. I said, all right. And he said, I, I'm struggling in ministry. I said, okay, tell me what's going on. And he said, all right. I've been sharing the gospel for a decade. I said, that's exciting. He goes, yeah, I can, I can share it through stories. I have a little picture book. I can share the gospel through the pictures. I can, he opened up the scripture. I've got it all highlighted. I can exactly share somebody about Jesus right through the Bible. He goes, I've even learned how to use their holy book. I have it. I can open it up and I can show them the truth of Jesus. And in 10 years, I've never been able to lead somebody to Jesus. My first reaction, well done. You didn't give up and you've been doing this for 10 years. That's amazing. Whatever God told you to do, don't give up. Because if there's breakthrough, it's gonna be amazing. And here's his question. He said, do you think it's possible to teach people how to hear the voice of the Lord as a way of sharing the gospel, making it real? And I began to smile. I said, absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I think that'll change lives. And so we've been meeting together every month for a few years now. And I just want to share with you how far God has brought him. A couple of months ago, he invites a government official over to his home for dinner. And I said, okay, what's the approach? What did Jesus give you to do? And he said, I'm just asking questions. I'm asking questions about work. I'm asking questions about family. I'm asking questions about his neighbors, his community. I'm just digging for a problem. It's a problem. I said, yeah. Jesus, show me the problem. Only Jesus can solve. So the whole meal, he's asking questions, he's asking questions, he's asking questions, and then he discovers, there it is. The challenge is with this guy's son. He has a very real challenge. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, it's personal, but it's a very real challenge, and he has no idea what to do about it. And my missionary friend, he goes, got it. So they finish up their meal, they're getting ready to go, and he says, hey, before you go, can I pray for your son? And it's culturally appropriate. And so this gentleman said, sure, you can pray for my son. And my friend said, no, actually, I'm just going to ask Jesus what the answer is. And he starts praying. He said, Lord Jesus, here's the son. Here's the problem. We lift it up to you. We know you're alive. We know you're real. We know you're powerful. We know you're going to do something. So we lift it up to you. We surrender it to you. Now, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Sat there and waited for him. A couple minutes later, the gentleman I'm working with, he opens his eyes. He goes, okay. I believe Jesus said this, I believe Jesus said this, and I believe Jesus said this. And this government official begins crying. 
He says, I would have never thought of that. That's exactly right. That's what we should do. And my friend, he's walking this government official out the door, and he, and he said, man, by the time we got to the door, I was so discouraged. Said, Why were you discouraged? This is amazing. This is ministry. He said, no, 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 no. I wanted him to hear the voice of Jesus, not me. And so they're getting ready to leave, and he's a little discouraged, and he's about to show him out the door. And this government official stops and says, hey, can I come back to your house next week? friend said, sure, of course, and the door's open anytime. He goes, no, 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 can we pray again next week? And the moment you were praying for me, I experienced a peace and a love that I've never experienced in my life. And honestly, I just want a little bit more. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of ministry. What a beautiful picture of disciple making, taking a person, finding the problem, connecting them right to Jesus so that Jesus becomes real and then saying, hey, I'm willing to walk alongside you as you figure this out. That's exciting. So thank you so very much for praying for us. Thank you for sending us out. I wanna invite Ben up to kind of close things out. We love you guys. It doesn't matter where we are. We wanna be a part of the same thing. We wanna connect people to Jesus and let him unlock the answer. Amen. amen. Yeah, amen. Uh, Patiana and Ellie, if you would join me up here as well. Church family, if you guys would go ahead and stand, and worship team, if you would come back forward. you got to come back center, center stage. You don't, you don't get to leave. I know that you probably heard some things that are really important to our church family, those of you who have been running with us for a while, but you could hear all of the things that we believe as a church why we exist. You could hear the hope for the broken. You could hear the lives that are thriving. You could hear the equipping of believers and the launching of leaders. Like what you are doing is knit to our hearts, maybe not using the same vocabulary, but certainly aiming towards the same thing. And I love uh, in the just the, the 16 years of friendship how uh, the Lord has knit us together. He's woven our ministries together. He's given us similar uh, looks I don't know if we're winning or losing at that one, but it's together, and I love that. But we, uh, we're going to pray for you. Um, we're going we're gonna to connect you to Jesus right now. Church family, if you would extend your hands out. Lord, we ask that right now in this moment that you would stir our hearts to how we should be praying. Lord, not that we would just commit to pray uh, and do it in a generic way, but Lord, that what should be prayed, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, I pray for each person here. Some may be very confident that they know how to hear your voice and distinguish it. Lord, and some may not feel as proficient at that. Lord, some may be confused. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts right now, that they would learn to discern your voice. Your word says that we can, that your sheep hear your voice. And they're not going to be confused by the voice of another. So, Lord, give us clarity now. Lord, we pray for Clinton and Patiana and for the girls, that you would meet their every need and provision, Lord, practically and spiritually. Lord, that you would make straight the, the path of the righteous. Lord, that their way home would already be paved, that you would remove obstacles Lord, obstacles um, from getting there, obstacles from uh, travel. 
Lord, um, things that would be of hindrance. Lord, we pray that you would move spiritual obstacles out of the way, places where the enemy would look to divert or distract. Lord, just make it straight. And Lord, I pray that you would get them home safely because home is there. Lord, that you would quicken their hearts and their minds to the work that you have for them. Lord, that you would strengthen them and equip them. And Lord, that they would always know that they are not alone. Lord, that as they've heard the cry of many missionaries who feel like there isn't a support group around them, Lord, I pray that Clinton and Patiana would know their support and that they would be that support. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Got to wait just a second. I want to give a little bit of direction for you, uh, church family. Uh, best ways to support missionaries. Honestly, the best way to support ministry always is to pray and to give and to go. We haven't been able to go for a while. Uh, we're still waiting for some things in Thailand to open up for us. But as soon as that happens, just know that we'll be, we'll be coming running. Uh, make sure that you are praying uh, for them and for the work uh, and our missionaries over there. Uh, and if the Lord would be stirring or prompting you to uh, be a part of supporting them in a practical way, you can do that this morning. You can just turn it into the basket and um, uh, designate it. Uh, write it out to Sterling Foursquare, but designate it to the More Four or Thailand Missions or something like that. Just let us know. Those of you online, you can do that in our online giving platform. Um, but we're going to make sure that, that we take care of you in that way as well. And, and as soon as it opens, we'll be there, yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been 16 years of ministry partnership in a lot of different ways. Um, Clinton and Ben were partnering back in Lions and Boulder with their ministries. And um, it's just amazing to us that we actually ended up in Thailand because you guys have been supporting Thailand missions for a long time. So it's very significant to us that we are there now um, and that it's another way of getting woven back into you guys um, in such a fun way. So we wanted to just represent that with a gift. Um, Go ahead and open it. Um, this gift was made by Thai missionaries, or excuse me, Thai Christians um, in our town. And um, when I saw it in their little shop, I, for whatever reason, I immediately thought of this church. And I thought of the ways that you guys have been sowing into Thailand. Um, and so it just says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Um, and I just saw it up in the foyer in my mind um, and just thinking about that missions wall. And so I just wanted to thank you guys so much for um, 16 years of partnership uh, around the world. So, thank you. All right, if you want to connect with them, they will be out at our missions table in the entryway. We will go out now just uh, the way that we came in, praising the Lord, and then you guys have an awesome day.